Nowadays, marketing your business online seems essential, but it can also be overwhelming. Email, paid ads, social media, video content, and so much more. How do you create a successful digital media strategy? In this episode, Dr. Ruth Inman talks to us about the rise of digital media and how you can take your digital marketing to the next step, whether you've never promoted your business online or you want to expand your digital reach. We are excited to have Ruth with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and where your passion for agriculture kind of began? Sure. So like many in the agricultural industry, I was born into it. Both of my parents were our farmers and ranchers and currently still farm and ranch. And I grew up on a centennial farm in North central Oklahoma that was homesteaded by my great, great grandfather in the Cherokee strip land run in 1893. So nearly 130 years, my family has been farming and ranching in the same area in North central Oklahoma. And, you know, growing up, I don't think I realized for a while that other people didn't spend 10 hours a day on a tractor at three years old. (laughs) And, um, you know, I just was, was born into it, grew up around it. So very typical Oklahoma farming and ranching operation, mostly wheat and cow calf cattle operation. But of course, as we know, diversification is really important in agriculture. And so my parents also dabbled in other field crops and hay to supplement our cattle. And that is how I got into agriculture. And then my passion developed over time. You know, I was born into it, but my passion for it really came later as I realized through, you know, elementary school, high school, and particularly college about how important agriculture is in the United States as kind of the backbone of society and the backbone of what feeds America and feeds the world. So the passion came later, mostly through those experiences, but then in college studying agricultural communications was, was really a spark that combined some of my interests with, with my passion. So interests being writing and technology and passion being agriculture and and advocating for that industry. Perfect. One thing that I just love is talking to people. Obviously, Montana was founded in 1889. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when I talk to people, Oklahoma, or even we had a team member who was in New York, a lot of times their operations have been in existence longer than Montana has been a state. So it Mm -hmm. just blows my mind. And I think it's one of the coolest facts is having that legacy that you guys have. Yeah. Oklahoma didn't become a state until 1907. So my family was farming there well before it was a state. Um, Definitely. I like the heritage of my family came from Virginia for the land run. That's such a cool story, especially um, as you think about the next generation and, you know, telling people in your family, all of those stories. So I love that. You have an interest in digital marketing, especially in agriculture. That's something that we share. And I think that we could probably talk all day about. Talk to me a little bit about how you got started in digital marketing. And maybe we should even define what digital marketing technically is. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can start with the definition. And the definition of digital marketing is anything that we're doing to communicate using technology. 
So basically these days, that's just about everything we touch. We've got technology in everything from our cars to our refrigerators, to internet enabled Alexa devices in our homes, to our phones and computers. So digital marketing is really, really broad reaching, but it's, it's talking to people and and marketing those four traditional P's of marketing. It's the fourth P promotion and doing that with the assistance of technology. So how that interest kind of came to be, as I alluded to earlier, I, I was interested in technology from an early age. I didn't really consider it an integral aspect of my career until later, but I grew up, I'm a kid of the eighties. So I grew up kind of at that cusp. They call us the Oregon trail generation, right? Where the kids who knew what it was like to not have computers in our homes, but then also grew up knowing what it was like to have the internet and cell phones and all of that. So born in 1985, and I was always interested in technology, but I just really kind of liked making things with print shop on my mom's computer, you know, invitations to birthday parties. I wasn't allowed to have video games, but I was allowed to have a computer. Um, so definitely playing a lot of Oregon Trail using word processors. And I really liked writing also. When I was thinking about careers, as a kid, I either wanted to be a novelist or an attorney. And both of those things involve a lot of words and a lot of writing. So when the time came to make a decision about where I was going to go to college and what I was going to do, doing a degree in agricultural communications at Oklahoma State University was a really easy and natural step for me. It was about an hour from home. So it was close enough to home that I felt comfortable, but far enough away that I felt like I was spreading my wings a little bit. And it also was combining those things, writing and agriculture. And I thought this is just the perfect fit for me. And really it was during that time in college, during my undergraduate career that I realized there really is an opportunity opportunity to combine three things that I liked, agriculture, writing, and technology. The technology piece, I was doing computerized record keeping when I was in high school, even going so far as to make my own Excel versions of our state-issued FFA, SAE record books that I made improvements upon because I felt like the ones that the state created weren't necessarily as good. My family, we were marketing heifers for private treaty sales via website, I think as early as 2001, 2002. And when I went to college, I thought, oh, I can actually integrate some of this technology into my career. Fast forward a few years, I got a master's degree in AgCom and I went And I set out to my first job outside of school. And it was as the director of marketing for the business school at Oklahoma State. And I remember sitting down with my dean shortly after I started. And I said, hey, there's this thing called Facebook and our college needs it. And having that conversation about how online platforms and digital platforms could help us reach the audiences that we needed to reach. And kind of the rest is history. You know, I, my career grew as digital media and digital marketing was growing and I just kind of was lockstep with it. Zuckerberg is about a year older than me. And so as all of that was being developed, my career was developing and it just was really easy to plug digital into everything that I was doing with a marketing communications career. You are just a touch older than me. And I think it's interesting hearing you talk about what you remember, because I don't know if it's because I grew up in such a rural school or, you know, we just have more limited technology here, but I graduated from MSU with an animal science degree because I didn't even have an ag comp degree. And Mm -hmm. so 
and communications wasn't even on my radar. While I loved that marketing aspect, it, you know, it wasn't even something until I got out of school that I started to realize. But even just those seven years that technology advanced, I mean, you talk about 2001, you know, and I would have been nine years old. And so we did not have a home computer that did anything but QuickBooks that I remember. And so I just think that technology has, it moves a lot faster now, but even in those seven years, I can see the difference in the impact between you and me and where kind of the timeline fits in. Yeah. That first dot-com boom in the late nineties, you know, I act like I remember it, but I really don't. Right. I was an early teens during that time and we're kind of seeing a second iteration of that and just the explosion of e-commerce businesses and digital businesses. And I can only imagine how mind-blowing it was during that time to to really be in on that front end of that, because I felt like I had the benefit of, of coming up when other people had already come up with the really innovative ideas. And all I was doing was just adopting them into what I was already doing. But being on the, the very front end of that would have been fascinating. I absolutely agree. How has social media and digital marketing kind of changed, especially in agriculture in the last five, 10 years? Okay. Well, I think agriculture and its relationship with digital and social media is really, I feel like kind of a push-pull relationship because while agriculture is a really unique vocation and that we don't align a lot with the current trends that are happening online, which I can touch touch on a little bit later. Well, we don't align in some ways. In other ways, the industry's relationship with digital and social media is just like everyone else's, where the people who adopt things and are innovative and seek opportunities generally can realize success with that. And I think most notably people realizing, hey, these platforms that I'm spending my time on personally, Facebook, Instagram, more recently, TikTok, they can also impact our business. And again, the ones who who see that and sees those opportunities generally can have a lot of success. Where agriculture, I think, is different than other industries is that right now, if you listen to other marketing podcasts or marketing experts or social media experts, they will kind of really talk about how social media is becoming less and less effective as a tactic to drive forward business growth. You know, Facebook, I think news came out that for the first time they reported a decrease in users and they lost over $300 million in valuation of their company overnight because people are migrating away from Facebook. And in my work, people talk about how Facebook is just not effective. We can't be marketing on Facebook. But in agriculture, it is absolutely still effective and it's absolutely still where our audience is. And it's absolutely something that if people do strategically can really, really drive business growth. So agriculture is just this really weird push-pull relationship with digital and social media and that in some ways we mirror what's happening worldwide. In other ways, we are very, very unique. I have that conversation all the time. I think that Yeah, Facebook is still an incredibly powerful tool in agriculture. And I think that in agriculture, because of the difference in ideal customer compared to like a boutique or a different type of business, that sometimes settling into the game and being consistent is so important compared to jumping and testing out every new platform. 
I always recommend let someone test that out first. Do what's working now. When that stops working, we can either add something or we can explore something else. But I think you're absolutely correct. I think Facebook in agriculture is still incredibly powerful. And with the addition of Facebook ads, I think it's a must have when they're looking at marketing. Totally agree. What do you think is the best place to start in digital marketing in agriculture? Do you recommend people start with a website, social media, kind of walk through that thought process? Okay. Well, I think if I was advising somebody who had no online presence for their operation, my first piece of advice would just be start anywhere you're comfortable. So don't let that first step seem like a mountain. If it seems too hard to build a website, start with Facebook. You're probably there personally. You probably have a personal account. You at least know and understand how the platform works, et cetera. So just start anywhere. And once you get going, it's going to be easier to add later, or as, as you mentioned, you know, settle in, get comfortable with one platform before you add another. However, for somebody who wants to be a little bit more strategic and um, wants to choose quote unquote, the best place to start, I believe a website is the best and most important foundation of an online presence. Think of a website as property you own and anything that you do on social channels as property you rent. Let's try to own our property first so that we we know that social media likes to change the rules on us, maybe break a lease agreement to continue that analogy. And so if you start with a website and a platform that you own and content that you own, driving traffic from other places there is going to be more effective. I think you have great advice there. And I don't think people need to do it all. And I tell them a lot, don't feel the pressure to be on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, email marketing, website, everything like that. When you first get started, there's just not enough hours to do all of those platforms. Well, your first time you enter digital marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to to use a cliche, I think you get yourself into a situation where you're a jack of all trades and a master of none if you try to do that, especially thinking about cattle producers. We're having to to manage and be experts at a lot of different things just in the production side of your cattle business, let alone the marketing side of your cattle business. And you're stretching yourself way too thin if you're trying to do everything all at once. I tend to agree with you. What do you think is one of the biggest struggles that you see livestock producers face on social media? I think it's back to that. Where's the best place to start? I think sometimes you'll feel really overwhelmed and that's a struggle because you feel like if you're not doing it perfectly, you shouldn't do it at all. In my most previous former life as a agcom professor, at Oklahoma State, one of the things I hoped my students would leave, you know, remembering my voice in their head saying that we have to operate at the intersection of best practices and reality. There's a best way to do something, but if that's going to get in the way of you doing anything at all, just, just go with what you can do and just start somewhere. So I think that's a struggle we face. Like we all strive for perfection or we strive, we feel imposter syndrome. We feel like if we're not going to be the best at it, we shouldn't worry about it or we shouldn't try rather. So there's that. I see that as a challenge. I also see a challenge that I think sometimes we conflate the benefit and value of sharing our stories to advocate for an industry and a vocation and a way of life with 
marketing and growing our business. So while I think there's value in just sharing stories, storytelling is a very important approach to marketing in agriculture. As we know, the vilification of the industry in general, that's a real problem. And while we have support from people who support local food movements and and local farmers, while we have that storytelling to advocate is very different than the daily business success and failure that is aligned with marketing efforts. So for true strategic communication, where I see people struggling is figuring out the difference between storytelling for advocacy and storytelling for, for business purposes. So it's true strategic communication, as you know, determining who our audience is, what their pain points are, aligning our selling propositions with those pain points. That is sometimes a gap that we miss when we focus solely on advocacy. I would agree. And I also think that there sometimes can be a fear in producers about using the wrong language and having Facebook shut down their posts or anything like that. But for the most time, I find that that is not the case. I think it's definitely the exception to the rule for the most part. But talk to me a little bit about your suggestions in that realm. If a producer is worried about that, um, what kind of advice do you have for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's hard. You know, as people involved in agriculture, it's really wise to be risk averse. You know, you don't you don't always want to be putting it all on the line all the time. We've got to have some risk management strategy. And I think that is a real fear. And there are real consequences that we see daily with people being vilified online or being made examples of, or someone going viral for being recorded at the wrong time doing or saying the wrong thing. But with that being said, I guess my advice would be if you are treating your business page and your personal page with care to make sure that you are being true and authentic and displaying your values, then hopefully those values and your true authentic self isn't going to be offensive to somebody. And if something were to blow up, thankfully, we have resources and experts and a community of people who can can help you if you get into a bad situation and you need a little bit of help righting some wrongs that have been done. That would be my advice. Don't be scared. (laughs) I agree. How do you think having an online presence or social media presence can impact opportunities for producers? What are some outside the box thinking more than just right, more people seeing their animals, more people buying their meat, their bulls, whatever that looks like. What are some other opportunities you're seeing? Well, to your point, Carolyn, it absolutely does widen our door and it can broaden our audience. But other opportunities I think that are really, really useful is an opportunity for a community of like-minded people, whether those are other producers or customers or people who previously might've been adversaries that can become allies. So I think there's opportunities for real connections that can happen online, not to get too nerdy, but back in the early nineties, there was a really novel communication theory that 
Hey, we can actually have real relationships with people without any kind of face-to-face interaction. And it was, it was really novel at the time and no one really believed it to be true. But I think that you mentioned that now and everyone's like, oh yeah, totally. We can, we can have these real relationships that are built with people who might be in a different state or even a different country. So I think there's some opportunities there. And I think through that, there's also opportunities to learn and to grow and to consider, you know, different production practices, even that other people are using and increase our business that way, not just by selling more or reaching more people, but it's by actually improving our practices that can happen through social media and those connections that we make there. I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's a lot of added income possibilities using social media that might be something that is not considered when we're thinking about adding a Facebook page or an Instagram account to our marketing. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. You know, uh, other types of income possibilities, even through things like maybe you start selling a course about something you're doing that other people are asking a lot of questions about, or, you know, I have a friend down the road who they're a farm and ranch family and she makes these adorable stick horses that she just posted on social media because she's making them and they're cute and all kinds of people are wanting to to buy them. That's absolutely not related to their ranch, but it's an added income possibility. What do you think are some of the upcoming trends? So we're seeing things more like influencers and some different trends. What do you kind of see upcoming in the digital marketing world that we should have our eye on or be aware of? Mm -hmm. Well, there's this thing called the metaverse (laughs) that you might have heard about. (laughs) and NFTs and blockchain technology. And while that all is, it's very mind-blowing and really hard for even me to wrap my head around, I do think that we need to keep our eye out for how that might impact agriculture and natural resources. I don't know if I have any like epiphanies about what that might be or any kind of insider knowledge about that other than to say, I think that's something, if the question is, what should we look out for? I think that's one. One that's a little bit more realistic though, that isn't necessarily a trend, but just a continued shift toward video is something that we we cannot go to sleep on. And that is actually something that I think, again, where agriculture is a little unique is that particularly in livestock production, people have understood the value of good photo and video for a long time. And I think just shifting what we're already doing, maybe with videoing our our sale cattle, things like that, and and doing it so that it's going to be more of the TikTokification of our online and social media presence, I think is something that that's it's here. It's happening. Every single platform right now is really, really prioritizing video and will continue to do so. And, and we need to continue to up our efforts in that area. I absolutely love the use of video. And I think that it is a much more intimate way to really get to know the operation and see things that we know can't be touched up like a photo cam. Mm -hmm. And so I always recommend if someone says in my budget, I can either do photos or videos. I always recommend video. I think that it has such a great impact and works really well with the ideal customer in agriculture. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm going to turn around and ask you a question then, because I, I don't know where I necessarily align on this is that recently I've seen conversations about, would you rather see a poor quality photo or video or none at all? Being if the video is really bad, if we haven't even managed to like clip, clip them up or anything, do we want to see that a bad video or would you rather not have a video at all? What do you think? That's a great question. I actually have a pretty strong opinion about this. I see a lot of bad bull videos where the bull is running, throwing their head, they're standing there. And I tell my customers, I would much rather put a video not available than have a video where the first impression is rough. And I think that we get in a hurry when we're marketing in agriculture. And sometimes it's just the first 30 seconds of the bull or the female in the pen. And to me, I would rather not put that up there because that's just going to replay in their head over and over and over when that actually might not be the case. Maybe something spooked the bull, whatever the case may be. But I think that no video or photo is better than a poor video or photo. I think that's a fair point. And I think that when you up-level your video and photos, I think you can really tell. And people seem to comment on it. We get a lot of comments from customers. Thanks so much for the great video. Thanks for letting them walk on both sides. They want to see that. And they kind of get used to mediocre footage. Mm -hmm. And so the better it is, I think the more they're going to watch it, the more they're going to study, you know, how that foot lays on the ground, all of that. And it's going to give you a great advantage come sale day. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to invest the time to do it, yes, it may take a little bit longer, both on the actual, you know, on video or picture day and on post-production. But if you're going to spend 80% of the time getting it mediocre, but if you can put in a 20% time investment to make it elevated, to me, that's a no-brainer because it can really, really, the ROI on that time spent is going to be a lot more than you think. Yeah. And it's actually, it's funny. People who video and picture their own bulls, oftentimes that's something someone does their first few years. Mm -hmm. And I tell people a good marketing company or a marketer, whether it be in your family or someone you hire, it's a partnership. So if you want to take the picture, send them to them and get them to make them level and, you know, and to tweak the photo or lighten it a little bit. I'm not a believer in changing the structure of the animal or anything like that. But by lightening a photo that's too dark, it makes a big difference, especially with black cattle. And so it doesn't always have to be an all or nothing. You know, you could take the videos and have someone else edit them if you don't feel like you have the good software. And so I think that there's ways to stick within someone's budget that doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So one question I have is about businesses considering their online presence. Do you have some do's and don'ts when a business is considering, so say they're sitting down at the table and this is the first time they're talking about putting their business online. What are a few things you would tell them? Mm -hmm. The first thing is if you're doing it yourself, that is great. But if you can work with somebody, whether as you, you point out, Carolyn, whether it's someone in your family or you're hiring someone to help you, if you can get help from somebody who has more expertise than you, please do. 
not to say that you can't DIY it. You can, but we trust vets to help us when it's something a little bit above our level of expertise. But we know a lot of ranchers, they do a lot of their own doctoring, but we're going to call in a vet when we need it. It's the same thing with marketing. So that's my first piece of advice is just hire someone to help you if you can, or barter with a cousin or something to, to get some help if they're, they have a higher level of expertise. The other thing about do's and don'ts is that yes, the platforms constantly change the game in terms of the algorithm and in terms of this or that and trying to outsmart social media isn't going to work. So you got to go back to basics. As I mentioned earlier, I think a website is a good best first place to start. Gather up all the content you have and get it online in a way that communicates about you, your business, who you are, what your values are. Next thing would be to think about the audience audience, audience, audience. And so you're not talking to yourself. You're not talking to your neighbor down the road. Well, maybe you are, if you're trying to, you know, if you're your seed stock and you're selling or something, but think about who your target audience is. Think about those pain points. What do they need to know from you? How can you help meet that need of theirs and then communicate that out? From there, then think about social media, digital media, and think about how you can communicate those values and your solutions to the pain points of your customers or your audience in an authentic way. And just don't overthink it, but start with the basics. I just had a conversation with a customer actually this week, and we were talking about the difference between commercial cattlemen and purebred and seed stock producers. And I said, well, who are you marketing to? And this very successful rancher said, we've never thought of it like that. We've been marketing to the seed stock guy. And we actually want the commercial cattlemen. So I think you bring up a great point about ideal customer. An ideal customer should not be a one and done conversation. It should be something every year when you sit down to develop your marketing plan or anytime you have a marketing meeting, you say, who's our ideal customer? Are we still on track? Are we still talking to them? Because it's so easy to get caught up and find the new hot stuff and get away from that. Oftentimes not even on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is. It's just because all the new stuff is shiny and that's generally what people are talking about on podcasts like this, or when you go on social media and if you're in any kind of groups that are talking about marketing, the things that people are talking about are the new shiny, the algorithm, this, and the new trends in video and what sounds are trending on TikTok. But the assumption there is that you've already mastered the basics and you're already doing the foundational things correctly and you're just tweaking. Whereas a lot of times we like to skip to the fun stuff and gloss over the really basic strategic stuff that has to happen first. You're absolutely correct. One thing I always talk about is consistency. What are your thoughts on consistency and how often do you think we either need to be having an internal marketing conversation or we need to be creating content? Mm -hmm. This one is hard because generally marketing has to come as an afterthought because our day-to-day operations are what has to be first priority, right? Like we're running a business, we're feeding and caring for animals, we're growing crops, whatever the case may be, whatever our product is. And so marketing becomes an afterthought because we're, we're worried about 
other things first and rightly so. But as far as consistency goes, I think one of the traps that people fall into is their social media, especially for their businesses become really transactional. I'm only going to talk to you when I have something to sell or I have something to say, or I need something from you, right? It's very transactional rather than that kind of constant. We're communicating about our values We want you to know us. We want you to trust us in that continual conversation. So for some people that needs to happen daily, you know, for some people who have the bandwidth to do that, you can be thinking about social media daily for others. You might need to sit down just once a month and kind of think about, okay, what's happening on our ranch this month? What opportunities do we have to talk to our customers? How can we share that story for some? It might only be quarterly, you know, maybe you're just struggling day in and day out to find time to do the task of the day. So maybe that conversation happens quarterly. And the good thing about all digital marketing platforms is that we have the ability to schedule things out. And so you can be thinking about quarterly, kind of set it and forget it um, as far as pushing out content. And then the stuff that needs to happen daily just becomes interacting with other people rather than creating content. So there isn't one a one size fits all approach. You've got to find something that works for you, but the biggest mistake is only being transactional and not interacting with other pages, other people and only pushing out information and only pushing out information when we are trying to sell something. That's a big no-no. One of our team members, Jamie, talks about that you should be the most popular person at a cocktail party on your social media. So the person that is telling stories, is listening to others, is sharing jokes, is very engaged, is shaking hands. And I think when we think about that versus being a sales rep, the game changes that no like and trust. They have to know what you do and they have to know what you offer. And for a lot of people, that's the hardest step. So... I think that building that relationship, just like you said, and making it very much a community versus a sales pitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the analogy of be the most popular person at the cocktail party. And for those of us who are introverted, I'm actually right in the, the center of the introvert extrovert scale. So I totally get it when people aren't necessarily comfortable, but I like your point about to be the most popular person at a cocktail party. You don't have to be the one that's always in the spotlight. People will like you if you listen to them and engage with them and ask them questions. It's not always about me, me, me putting myself out there, putting myself in the spotlight. It's that relationship building. So I love that analogy and I'll probably use it in the future. (laughs) Great. I love that. Okay. Kind of as we start to wrap up, what are some resources or some places that you'd recommend for any business in agriculture to go and learn information? Okay. So I definitely have some thoughts related to this, both kind of traditional and a little bit more innovative. So I worked in cooperative extension as a state specialist related to digital media previous to this. So absolutely, I see the value in extension services. Cooperative extension is still a completely relevant and useful resource. Beyond that, local thought leaders and cattlemen that you trust and know, and you know, like, and trust absolutely still completely, completely relevant. 
So those are kind of the more traditional route that's, that's still really useful. There's other places that I go daily to, to learn about marketing, both in ag and more broadly podcasts like this. There are mastermind groups. I know you have the Cattleman U mastermind group um, is, is really relevant. Other online courses that you can find and whether that's related to production or related to marketing or related to anything else related to your business. So online courses are great. All of those things have value. And for those who want to add social media to their kind of list of qualifications or things that they do as a career. I'm really excited about a new initiative that we're launching at my company, Agorapulse. And that initiative is called the Social Media Pulse Community. So it's a standalone community that's going to happen, you know, off of social media for social media managers. And our whole effort there is to upskill the careers of social media managers. Everything in the community will be free. We will have mastermind groups. We will have discussion forums where people will ask questions. We will have user groups. And I'm really excited to announce that we will have one for agricultural communicators. I made certain that we were going to have that group. And then on there, um, what my job is specifically is that I'm in charge of our Social Media Pulse Academy, which are free online courses related to digital and social media marketing that members of our community can take. So that's a resource that I am shamelessly plugging, but it'll be socialmediapulse.community will be the URL for that. I'm thrilled about that. I think that's a great program. And I think that one thing that is an old saying, something we learned probably in high school is you become who you hang around with. And if you want to do good marketing, you have to be around people that are doing good marketing. And we see lots of good marketing on social media. We see lots of websites always be tweaking. I tell people all the time, your marketing is a plant. It needs repotted, it needs watered, it needs pruned, it needs moved based on sunlight. And so don't be afraid to tweak it based on what's happening in your business, based on what's happening in the world, and just be really flexible and surround yourself by people who are doing good marketing. Yeah, I love that. I think my parents shared a similar piece of advice with me. They were like, you're the average of your three closest friends. So it's sort of the the same thing. Yeah, surround yourself with people that you know, like, and trust related to your business, related to marketing, and you'll grow from that. So I love that advice as well. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts or last things you'd like to share before we get wrapped up? Oh, goodness. I just appreciate the opportunity. I think what you're doing here with this podcast and what you're doing with Cattleman U and um, what you do with your marketing agency is is really beneficial. And it's it's like I said earlier, if you can't do it yourself, trust an expert and hire someone to, to do it. So I'm glad that you offer that for people who see the value in hiring an expert. Thank you very much. It's always fun to um, have a conversation with someone who loves digital marketing as much as I do. And so I really appreciate your wisdom and um, we look forward to what you guys are working on and launching and we'll be sure to put the information in the show notes. All right. Thanks so much for the invite and um, I hope you have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Kettleman U podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe at kettlemanulive.com slash podcast so you never miss an episode. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.